Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who knows every single lyric to Macho Man's record, Derek Halpin. I've never heard a single song from Macho Man's record. That's a fucking lie. It seems like I start most episodes on a lie. We used to start so strong with, with actual facts about me or the show or us, and now we just start out with bullshit. Well, the problem is I forget to think of something to say until right before we start recording. Do you need me to send you things in advance now? Send me little tidbits about yourself to introduce you. (laughs) Like like, like the Matt Hardy facts when he used to come out as V1? (laughs) Actually, yeah. Give me a list of a hundred. Actually, you know what? Just give me a year's worth for next year. How about a man who just ate an entire row of Oreo cookies right out of the tray? Derek Halpin. You you did that? Yeah, I had cookies. Do you think this of me is... with each bite? Yep. You piece of shit. You know that I can tell you these things and you can live vicariously through me to get through your DDP yoga, which, by the way, you're on week two? Week two, baby. How's it feel? Uh, I... See, I honestly thought the sugar thing would be over by now because the last time I did a similar diet, it seemed like it lasted about a week. I feel like I am just as pissed off on week two as oh, I man. was on week one. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, where you will be surrounded by even more delicious treats. I work in an office. People constantly come in with baked goods. I'm not eating them. This is like, for for health reasons, this is a, a health death match for you that you're not winning. It's such a boring death match, too. <laughs> it just it takes place takes place over a long period of time. <laughs> it's like if a death match had to take place in New Japan and Okada were was the main event for it. So it's like, holy shit, they really built this thing up for forty minutes without doing a whole lot. But that last twenty minutes, they were slicing and dicing, boy. The winner is your waistline, though. Hit <laughs> <laughs> our goddamn music. somebody crumbled up a bunch of cookies and put them on a wrestling mat and you body slammed somebody on them that it would hurt it depends which type uh what do you think would be the most painful cookie to get dumped on oof there really aren't a lot of spiky cookies out there like i'm trying to think like a uh do you think a a classic chips ahoy cookie would suck well i'm trying to if it's yeah if it's a classic that's a little rough Uh, i'm trying to think of something that's a little pokey like maybe a uh a coconut macaroon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are some other tasty treats besides cookies that would suck to get like power bombed on the old captain crunch before they rounded the corners oh fuck yeah ouch rock or candy just, would suck too or just those uh if you walk through you know the the produce section of a grocery store you always see like a, a weird little spiky fruit somebody's like a pineapple i'm like fuck you i know what a pineapple is no it's the weird little <laughs> spiky fruit <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that thing sucks. Yeah. If you've ever had anyone toss you one of those at the grocery store as a, <clears throat> as a joke, not a funny joke. You know what you, you never see? Because you always see somebody make a nice like surface of things to dump their opponent on. You never see like somebody get slammed on something that's just kind of small and awkward. Like You never see somebody just get dumped on a bowling ball. Something that ah! would like, bruise an area. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You might be an evil genius, but it's not. I, but I don't know who that's for because it doesn't look good. It hurts like hell, and isn't really that the best thing that it doesn't look good and it hurts you a lot. I mean, if we can get away with just picking people up and dropping them on their head, to me, it's it's weird that I haven't seen people getting dumped on weirdly shaped objects that are not like a surface. Well, you need to go back. You need to go to Japan and bring back FMW. And people are going to be like, oh, I'm so ready for the explosions. And it's just like, they just kind of throw each other on weirdly shaped objects. <laughs> he dumped him on top of an Atari Jaguar. So 
I have a question. If we, if we can start here, <clears throat> okay. Is a is a wrestling fan? You know, we're often looked down upon as, uh, you know, dumb. I think we're looked at as dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody that you know, you get that question a lot, like you know, it's fake, right? Like you're an idiot, is what they're saying to you. Uh, is there anything like another hobby? That even though you have no right to look down upon other hobbies because of your own, that you look down on that one? Harry Potter fandom. Really? I do. I've, and the funny thing is, I've tried to get over it. And I just can't. I think it's because they're kids. Well, I mean, me personally, like, I don't want to offend any Harry Potter fans. Cause, I'm going to offend somebody. I've, I've just accepted that this, like, you, you, you bring it up. It's a thing that every time I, I start thinking about it, I'm like... These are these are fifty year old people getting excited about kids going to school for wizardry. Hey, Undertaker had to start somewhere, sir. <laughs> what house do you think he was in? Definitely <laughs> Slytherin, right? It depends which version of Taker. I feel like over his old age, he's now a pro- yeah, he's still Slytherin, but he's the professor now. Is Biker Undertaker in Hufflepuff? Hell no. That's where is I he, belong. Is he I'm in the, Slytherin I'm too, the, motherfucker. I'm the toughest Hufflepuff, and I know that. <laughs> You're like, he's still Slytherin. He's still a bad motherfucker. Well, I was talking to a friend today, and she is part of, you know, the Big Brother, Big Sister program. Okay. And so she is the big sister to a uh, a 15-year-old girl. And she's been teaching this 15-year-old girl magic. When you say magic. Not like Harry Potter magic. Uh, <laughs> you mean the card game? No. like Like sleight of hand tricks. So not Magic the Gathering, you're talking about pulling rabbits out of hats. Yeah, I'm talking about the sadder magic. Okay. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching that Penn and Teller show where uh, magicians come on and they tell their sad story of why they're a magician. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because it never has a happy beginning of why someone started doing magic. And I was like, you are torturing this 15-year-old girl. You're You're teaching her magic. You're basically setting her up to fail. That's her number one career option? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, you are People that do magic to make friends is like me saying I started watching wrestling because people So you look down cool. on those people. I mean, it makes me seem like a dick, but yeah. That's what you're getting at. You're saying the way people look at fans of pro wrestling as the only way they could possibly like this is if they think they're real, what fucking idiots. You feel that way towards magic. See, I like magic. I enjoy watching magic, but I don't always enjoy hanging out with a magician (laughs) so you're fine (laughs) you're fine with the show but you don't want to know the people yeah yeah which to me people probably feel the same way about wrestling though they don't mind going but they don't want to be tight with the people who do it so it's kind of your version of yeah i want to watch nick gage get all cut up but i don't want to hang out with him oh that's for damn sure (laughs) Oh my God, I had, I'm not going to say who, but a friend of mine, uh, he sent me a text and was asking me about a very specific indie wrestler. Okay. And and as I started uh, sending him information about this indie wrestler, he immediately shot back two screen grabs from the gay porn he was currently watching. Huh. Uh, yeah. Turns out uh, there's, a, there's a wrestler that, you know, did, did, he had some, he had a side hustle going. That's my fine. friend, my friend that was Who watching. Is it? I'm not. I don't. I don't want to say his name. I don't want this to be the place that this gets out. Where else should it get out? I can tell you the name of the porn. <laughs> the fact that you're bringing it up on the podcast, our listeners are going to want to know who it is. So you might as well just out yourself or whoever this is. Well, I'm not. I'm not outing anyone. That's not. Like I, I assume that people know about this because it exists out in the world. What if they don't? Well, I have a feeling that. Are we are we here to inform people or not? Hey, I'm just saying Thugbait episode 68. Thugbait? Thugbait. That's a good name for a series. That is. Two one away from the best number of a porn you can ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Jesus Christ. Are we going to talk about pro wrestling or We are talking about pro wrestling. Why don't you reveal who you saw in in this in this porn? I gave you the name of the thing. You can look it up and find them yourself. I'm doing a podcast right now. I don't have time to look it up. I, I want you to tell me. It's somebody 
that is in Lucha Underground. Oh, okay. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh I don't want to reveal people's information. I was just, as a wrestling fan, it shocked me. You and everybody's to tell the story. And everybody, you know, said, like, you're not going to watch it, are you? And my first thought is, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if somebody suggests that I have to review this for the podcast, then of yeah, course I'm going definitely to. definitely a possibility. Speaking of that, we had discussed the possibility of reviewing the Marine 6 for this episode. However, you know for damn sure that I'm not going to be buying that thing. And it's not available in Redbox yet, so we're going to have to wait on that. But we will get to it. If, uh, Like I said, if it comes down to it, I will get a copy of it and take it home so that we can watch it together at the same time. But you're a big fanboy for The Miz. Yeah, I have no issue giving him money for that movie. <laughs> I mean, I like Becky Lynch, but I don't know if I like her enough to go buy The Marine 6, if that says anything about my fandom. Have you watched any of the WWE movies? Uh, um... List some that maybe I, God, I don't think I have. Didn't see the chaperone. Didn't see Knucklehead. Haven't Did you seen see any Twelve Marine Rounds movies. Three starring Dean Ambrose? <laughs> no, <laughs> he blows a guy up with a grenade in that movie. And now he looks like a guy that would maybe blow up a guy with a grenade. He's been dressing like Bane lately, hasn't he? Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of cool, but did you happen to see any of Raw or like any clips of Raw? I didn't see, I didn't watch Raw. What I will say is I saw, because we're recording this, you know, on Tuesday, but I did see buzzing around the internet last night as I was uh, hanging out. I did see that Seth Rollins cut a promo on Baron Corbin that was essentially the internet's promo on Vince McMahon every day. It was so weird. And as I have often said, he's, he's aware, right? Like he knows what people are upset about. He just doesn't give a shit. If he isn't aware, and that is a thing that he just wrote on his own about Seth Rollins yelling at him, I mean, he acknowledged the show sucks. Yeah. That's wild. Have they ever said that? In detail. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon for in like a babyface character to be like, this is why this place sucks now. But to the details he went into about why it sucks, the tone, and, and the thing about like the ratings being down... I mean, it was all it's, aimed at Baron Corbin. Corbin was the placeholder for Vince McMahon. There's no way it wasn't intentional. It's just, it's hilarious to me that they're like, people don't like this. What do we do? Barry Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> the system is self-aware. They know that they suck. I mean, so, NXT's, uh, we've talked how many times, is like the best thing that they have going. And then the fucking show ends on a TLC match. Yeah. It's weird. It was weird. Which is, I, by the way, that pay-per-view's this weekend that I'm not going to be watching it. But you not will even, be. Not even. Because you uh, got a free subscription. <laughs> I'll be honest. At this point, I might be paying for it. I have no idea. <laughs> You're like, ah, I'm going to start carrying around the Royal Rumble anyway. That's next month. <laughs> it's like, what, what am I going to do? Save 10 bucks? No, I want to see Becky and Charlotte and Asuka and all that. That actually probably will be a good match. Is that the main event? It should be. Because they don't have an actual main event at this point, right? Because there's no... I mean, that would be the main event because the Universal title isn't around. Did you see... Um, I guess this came out yesterday. Jim Ross had made the comment that he doesn't think that there are men on the WWE roster that can carry the WrestleMania main event spot. I was thinking about that after I read it, and I was trying to think who on this card could... And I, I mean, as far as storylines go, there's no one, but I would also like to think that AJ Styles could do a main event with anyone and it would be great. Maybe. Well, this is what this is. I, the reason I bring this up is because it makes for an interesting debate, because while I get what he's saying, part of the problem for the longest time, as we have so often reiterated, is that they have not used the stars that they do have to bring other people up to that next level. They have tons of talent and they have people on that roster that, that like people would be excited to see in a WrestleMania main event. Like you said, AJ styles, people would be stoked to see Seth Rollins in a WrestleMania main event. People would be excited to see Daniel Bryan in a WrestleMania main event. We've talked, I guess this is what he was getting at, which if he was alluding to 
the possibility of Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch or Charlotte or somebody being in the WrestleMania main event. I think everyone can be equally excited for that and also say, eh, there's still some people on the roster that are men that people would be stoked to see main eventing mania. Who for you at this point is that guy? If we're just keeping it to men, wouldn't people be excited to see Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles? I guess, like me personally, right now, no. You wouldn't be excited to see Rollins versus Styles? I think right now, I mean, it's hard for me to say because it's a company that has so many other people I'm more interested in. They're just not necessarily on that show. And part of me also thinks if I got to see Finn Balor in a main event, but that just seems so... Is it because you've been detached lately? Is that Does that play a huge factor in you not giving a shit? Well, I think a big part of it is that, yeah, well, I'm detached because the storylines aren't there. It never go. It Maybe they'll, like, hint that but it's going in a hasn't your thing been you really don't care about the storylines? Don't you just get excited for a good matchup? I guess that's true, but WWE seems to want me to be excited about their stories. <laughs> But if they just said, hey, Garrett, you, you're excited about matches. Here's this. You wouldn't be up for that? If they decided we're just going to give you a big fuck-off wrestling match, it's going to tear the house down, yeah, I would take that. Yeah, I think I would take that. Isn't that what we're talking about, what we want them to do? We want a more NXT style on the main roster? You mean just make it more of a sporting event and just have yeah. do kind of the, the New Japan thing where there's press conferences and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be because this guy stole your car or he's like fucking your girlfriend or whatever. Right. It's just like, these are two athletes that are going to fight each other and see who's better at fighting. Right. Yeah, I could get into that. That works every time. That's the, the tale most as common. old as time. Yeah. Song as old as rhyme. Rollins in Styles. Beauty and the Beast. Well, I mean, the Beast is Brock Lesnar, so I left that hanging right there for you. <sighs> That's the other thing is he's still holding down that Universal Championship spot. So when Ross says there's not anybody to occupy that main event spot, you know who he's. I mean, fucking Lesnar's been there how many years out of the last four or five? I mean, at this point, it should be Rollins taking that from him, right? It should be. I and before just before we started recording, I saw he did an interview where he said Lesnar being the Universal Champion is an insult to him, and this was like a radio interview. So, what do you think it's going to be? Do you think TLC Dean drops the IC title at then maybe at Royal Rumble he has a rematch, doesn't win it again, and then moves on to the main event? And on Raw, yeah. See, I haven't been watching, so I don't know. Is is, <laughs> is Dean the Intercontinental Champion right now? No, Seth is, but they're having oh, okay. a TLC match, I think. I don't know what the fuck kind of match they're having. I saw that like Elias and Bobby Lashley were having a ladder match. Tune in to Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout, where two guys who aren't watching WWE review WWE. <laughs> While two guys try and estimate what they think might be happening over there. The funny thing is we're just as accurate as we would have been if we'd been watching every piece of programming. <laughs> Nothing to really feel bad about. We're guessing the fucking main event of Mania. <laughs> and our conclusion was it's probably Brock Lesnar, but who the fuck knows? What's funny, it's like, what, it, what we did is no worse than what every other podcast did. What's that? Kind of try and guess what might happen at Mania. Yeah. We're just fantasy booking, except we're not even pretending to give a shit. Oh, yeah. like, And we spent too much time. Let's move on. You had me watch a WWF show because it was the anniversary. Uh, yes. December 10th. Uh, what, what year is this? 2000? December 10th, 2000. WWF Armageddon. We have the six-man Hell in a Cell match. We previewed that we were going to be reviewing this match on this podcast. Let's dive into it. 18 years ago, man. This is one of those matches that a lot of people talk about when they're talking about things you got to check out on the network. This is one that comes up frequently. This was a big freaking deal at the time. I mean, I remember at, at that age, I was sitting there thinking, like, why isn't this match being put in the main event of Mania? And we're getting it on just a... I mean, you know now, it's a clusterfuck and you use 90% of your top talent in one match, but... Yeah, this was uh, it can't, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that this was 18 years ago. This was a big deal. We got a match where we've got a freshly heel turned Rikishi. 
we've got Triple H, we've got Kurt Angle, we've got Undertaker, we've got Rock, and we've got Austin. And they're going for the WWF Championship. Angle's going into the match as the champion. Six men inside Hell in a Cell. Garrett, you had watched this. I think I had asked you to watch this in preparation for our Halloween video because I thought, or our Halloween podcast, because I thought this would have fit in with the theme, especially what Armageddon, Hell in a Cell, just makes sense. Did you happen to rewatch it for <clears throat> for this podcast, or uh, did no, you, I, are you just I rewatched what it. you did? I rewatched it today. Okay. Uh, thoughts? Do you remember what what was going? Were you watching at this time period? I was watching during this time. I think this was right at the because this was what two thousand. You said yeah, December of two thousand. December. 10th. This probably would have been towards the end of me watching. Really. This was this was the beginning of the build towards WrestleMania 17. The next month was the Royal Rumble. Austin ends up winning that, winning that. And then we have Kurt Angle dropping the title to the rock. And then we end up getting rock Austin two at WrestleMania 17. But to me, what's so cool about this match, other than just the sheer spectacle of it, when you look at the people involved in this, every single one of them is either a hall of famer or going to be a hall of famer. And that includes Rikishi. He was just put into the hall of fame a couple years ago. These were all the big names of the Attitude Era in one match, in the match that was probably the, uh, at least at this time period, was the most revered or talked about match during the Attitude Era. I mean, it's Hell in a Cell is is WWF's baby. That's their big match. Okay, so (laughs) with this match, I feel like I know the answer, but storyline-wise... Why were all of them in this? So <clears throat> there's a lot of storylines that had been intertwining up to this point. Um, I know Angle had won the championship from The Rock, uh, I think a few months prior to this. And Triple H and Austin had been feuding um, ever since Austin. Because Austin had just come back like a couple months prior to this from injury based on the whole him getting hit by the car the previous year <laughs> we're just talking about this so casually yeah he got run well, over by a, a mystery person that turned out to be rikishi who was directed by triple h this is so, what was the funniest shit to me in this because before it, you see mick foley talking in the video package yeah. and basically the storyline of this match is mick foley has had enough yeah He's just like, I'm the GM around here, the commissioner, whatever. And he said, you all are my fucking problems. He said, he said at one point, he's like, uh, what did he say? He's like, Triple H and Rikishi had their hit and run. This guy was dropped 40 feet from a forklift inside of a car. <laughs> and as he's going through, he's just like, we're done. You're all going in there and you're going to kill each other and you're going to feel good at the end. <coughs> careers will be made. Careers will be ended. And Vince is like, No. We're in the middle of winning the Monday Night War right now. Why would you want to have my my superstars kill each other? And Vin, and Foley's answer is just like, because I did it once and it was fun. <laughs> and at the very beginning of this uh, this pay-per-view, there's foreshadowing to how it's going to end. As you Vince- actually checked out the beginning of the show. Oh, I watched a lot of this pay-per-view. As Vince gets out of a limousine, <laughs> he walks past the truck with all that mulch on the back that eventually Rikishi is going to fall onto. Yeah. I remember, like, to me, like, this is, like, the best time period for WWF. People will have different opinions on that, but, like I said, you look at the people involved in this match, this was, I remember this this was, like, right around Christmas in 2000, and the idea that you had Stone Cold Steve Austin back, you had The Rock, WWF was on top. WCW sucked at this point. If you weren't declaring abandoned ship on WCW, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were missing some good shit. Um, but they lock all six of these guys inside Hell in a Cell. A lot of it, the beginning of the match, is just people rubbing each other's faces in defense. Fucking Austin does this to Triple H around the whole structure. Oh, and Triple H is very excited to be the first guy to be bleeding. Oh, yeah. He Which, loves bleeding. Make a note of that, because that comes up later. <laughs> but uh, It's like a, like a lot of Attitude Era matches. It's a lot of punches. A lot of throwing each other into the cage until uh, eventually 
you got Vince coming down on that truck, ripping off the door to the cage, and he's threatening to tear the whole Hell in a Cell down, which is funny because I was watching this match with my girlfriend, and she turns to me and she says, why don't they just hit the button that brings the cage back up if he doesn't want it down? Yeah, because the other option that he's going for is to tear it down on top of the people he doesn't want to get hurt. Right, and the fans using this truck. He's, he's, you know, you saw the writing on the show recently. He's, he do, he isn't always good ideas. If they had cut to the back with his finger on a switch being like, I'm going to raise it, God damn it, not nearly as dramatic. <laughs> he's like, I don't know, boss. I don't know if we should do that. I don't know. It's a good fight. You see them kind of, they have the, the set around the stage where they walk in. They've got, like, destroyed cars. It looks like the beginning of Terminator 2. And... It's a weird ah. open to a pay-per-view. Like, the actual opening to the show is just showing mushroom clouds laying waste to cities, then cutting to, like, just videos of wrestlers in agony, then back yeah. to the explosions, and there's music playing that sounds like, I'm trying to remember what it was, like, maybe like a Nine Inch Nails type of thing. The and funny then, thing is they use that song a lot in WWE. And then that's, a, when, that's when they go back to and then when they're done with this fucking horrific opening, then it just cuts to like a like a Leonard Skinner like. <laughs> it's Sweet Home Alabama remixed by fucking Jim Johnston, who works for WWF. Is that really what that was? It's supposed to be like a version of Sweet Home Alabama. Why the fuck is that song the theme song to Armageddon? Because they're in Alabama. Okay, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> That They're checks in out. Birmingham, Alabama <laughs> for the show. It doesn't really match with the end of the world theme, but whatever. <laughs> Were you surprised to see a man as big as Rikishi climb the hell in a cell? It's disturbing. I mean, you know it's going to happen because you know he goes off the top of the cage, but he's again, we've talked about this before when we are talking about like Billy Gunn. Everyone in this match is big. In comparison to a lot of the guys today. And you forget that when watching that because they're all comparably big. But oh, well, most of these guys would dwarf some of the guys, you know, on, on a current WWE roster. Yeah, watching The Rock tower over Rikishi made me afraid to have kids. <laughs> like, I don't want to have a kid someday who's just like tall, buff, and famous and just kicking my fucking ass in front of everybody. Yeah. Well, uh... You know that the big thing at this time period is everyone's excited. And this is the thing everyone talked about in school when we were kids was, did you see the video clip of Undertaker throwing Mick Foley off the top of the Hell in a Cell? So they immediately try to capitalize on that whole thing again by having Undertaker essentially choke slam Rikishi into the bed of that truck that's just filled with like, what what would you call it? Mulch? Hamster bedding or whatever? Yeah, he landed in a giant hamster cage. Like, on the one hand, it's cool, and it's a scary bump because he just falls backwards. But then on the other hand, you're like, ah, he's falling onto some pretty solid padding, and everybody can see it, and it blows out everywhere. <laughs> like, not that it wasn't cool at all, but that it original... It is cool. The Undertaker one, when he slams Mick Foley, he gives him a choke slam, and he goes to hell. And this, it wasn't so much as a choke slam as much as he was teetering on the edge, and he blew on him. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was at the time uh, quite the quite a big match to have all these names under one roof. <laughs> but uh, it's just angle. It's funny. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like, Angle ends up retaining in this match, and one of the things I think they took away from this, and you don't see them do a cluster match like this inside of a Hell in a Cell or cage environment for a while, until they eventually invent a new excuse to do that. Which is the very first Elimination Chamber in Sur- at Survivor Series in 2002. They revisit this concept a couple years later. Okay, I actually, I did not watch this match. So what? Uh, who's in the first Elimination Chamber? So <clears throat> after I watched the Armageddon match, I remember thinking, well, it's they did this once. I'm sure they liked it. Like I said, it does get talked about a lot today. So they wanted to come up with a way of doing this where it wasn't such a cluster to where they could actually have more people have one-on-one time as opposed to just there's three separate areas of action going on at once. And so the very first Survivor Series, or the very first Elimination Chamber at Survivor Series 2002 starts with Triple H 
and Rob Van Dam. And in the four pods, you have Booker T, Kane, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Jericho. This is a match where Triple H gets his throat crushed by Rob Van Dam when he attempts to do a five-star frog splash off the top of the pod and ends up coming in a little too close and his knee drives right into Triple H's throat. Wait, like, shoot, he destroyed his throat. Like, he fucked him up. I think he spent some time in the hospital. Triple H was pissed. Rob Van Dam was buried for a couple years. Yeah, this is the very first Elimination Chamber, and I'm positive that the six-man Hell in a Cell is what inspired this match. They wanted to find a way to keep, like... And the other thing that I wanted to talk about with this, it's a great idea because what it allows you to do is you, if you have a roster of guys where you've got two or three main event guys for sure, you can then pair them with two or three other guys that are not necessarily main event guys, and you essentially give them a rub in a championship match where they're thrown in, and it makes them look better and like a bigger deal. It's where you get to see a guy who would normally fight The Rock fight The Rock. Absolutely. And I think for the for the six man hell in a cell, Rikishi was technically the odd man there. Everyone, I mean that eas- that spot easily could have gone to Kane to make it a bigger deal. It could have gone to Jericho. It could have gone to a lot of people. Went to Rikishi for the Survivor Series match. Triple H goes in as champion, and the guy who ends up walking out with the championship this night is a very weird version of Shawn Michaels, where he's wearing brown wrestling tights that say HBK on them, brown cowboy boots, and a Dutch boy haircut. And this was his, as far as I can remember, when he came back to WWE in 2002, all the way to when Undertaker retired him, this was his only world championship win in that entire stretch. He beats Triple H at the end to win the World Heavyweight Championship. There's a, they're in Madison Square Garden, so you have the, the raining confetti come down. It's a big, beautiful moment. But I had never watched this match before. Uh, and I wanted to go back and see, you know, the transition from Armageddon Six Men Hell in a Cell to this because to me that's what eventually gave birth to the Elimination Chamber match, and this was the first. And just kind of crazy to see that evolution and see where that idea took hold and and what they evolved it into. And I actually like the Elimination Chamber concept a lot. How okay? I, so two things. One, since you said it, I couldn't stop thinking about the phrase. Dutch boy haircut. I actually Googled that and have a bunch of pictures on my computer right now. Uh, two, as the first one, how did it go? Did it go off well, or did it look like this could use some work? Um, I think there's an interview with Chris Jericho somewhere up online, so if you're listening to this podcast, pause and go find that, where he talks about there was actually some botches in this match, and this match ended up in being a little bit of a clusterfuck. I think Rob Van Dam accidentally got eliminated when he wasn't supposed to, didn't kick out or something. Uh, Triple H got hurt, and he was supposed to rest. I mean, he was supposed to drop the title, but now Triple H was supposed to go from being at the beginning of the match all the way to the end, and now he's going to have to finish this whole thing hurt. Um, Ended up being a cluster. As far as the match, it was okay. The crowd was into it. And uh, like I said, like it's hard not to pop for Shawn Michaels making his glorious, triumphant return and winning the title. I think that there have been better chamber matches since then, but this was a fine start. I think it's weird. Like, again, I've, we talked about this before too. I don't like that since we have TLC coming up this Sunday, I don't like themed pay-per-views. I don't like where they, they, they theme the pay-per-view and then they come up with excuses for the guys at the show to participate in these matches. To me, the match is supposed to be used accordingly and elimination chamber is a perfect example that that gets its own pay-per-view and it's right before WrestleMania, and the original Elimination Chamber had that steel grating on the outside of the ring. Like and, that shit and all, was nasty. <laughs> yeah, and you hear stories from all the guys who have worked in those original Chamber matches, and they talk about how much it sucked bumping out there. And they've changed the Chamber since to where it looks like it's just some kind of. I don't know, wood paneling or something like they, they, it's not the, it's not the steel grading looks a little bit easier to work on, but fuck, they do a chamber match before mania now. Like it's your, it's your most important season heading into WrestleMania and you're risking guys health and and elimination and at an elimination chamber pay-per-view. See, that's one thing that I think uh, right now, you know, new Japan was in kind of a slower season with their, their tag tournaments. 
Yeah. Which I think essentially acts as a way to try and not get people hurt before Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. They're protecting makes, their talent. Which makes so much more sense than being like, well, we do have a month to fill. Put them it's in the, the road to WrestleMania. Go throw each other into some chain link fence. I remember the first WrestleMania I went to before uh, when the day I got the tickets, I was like, Derek, I got tickets. I'm so excited. And then you said, and now you have the fun game. Hope that your favorite people don't get hurt. Yep. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you, before 32, everybody was fucking hurt on that yep. one. Yep. So that was a uh, man. Yeah. Every every year buying those tickets is a it is a game. Isn't that the one that had like the worst main event mania I've ever seen with Reigns and Triple H? Oh yeah, and, that and was nobody giving a shit. The whole oh, and if you go back and watch it, it is heavily edited to not hear the crowd. Oh, when they put it on the network. Yeah, yeah. When I went back and watched, you can actually hear them boo Reigns, and then you hear the levels drop at one point. <laughs> That's so sad. And on top of it, they had a hundred and I mean, I know they say like a hundred and ten thousand or whatever booing him, but uh, Jesus, they inflated the numbers to make themselves feel better. Hey, can I go back to Armageddon for a minute? Yeah, go ahead. Well, you want to talk about the rest of the pay-per-view or do you want to talk about the match? Well, there were a couple matches at the beginning of the show because I didn't watch the entire show, but I thought this was kind of interesting in the first three matches. Two of the first three had intergender fights. Yeah, you text me about this. Elaborate on this. Like, did like did they end up being decent matches, or were you just shunned that or stunned that they were on there? So the first match was Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Saturn versus the Hardys and Lita, and it was yeah. an elimination tag match. And why this comes back to another one of these insane WWE stories that I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Lita seduces time, man. Lita seduces Dean uh Dean Malenko into a hotel room. Yes. And he's married. <laughs> and then the Hardy boys come in and jump him and beat the shit out of him. And I don't know if at this point I'm supposed to who I'm supposed to sympathize with. There's one man cheating on his wife and the other people are kind of doing it to catch a predator, I guess. So really they're right. the heroes here. But where this match ends up going is it comes down <laughs> It comes down to Lita and Dean Malenko. Everybody else is eliminated. And Dean Malenko beats the fuck out of Lita. Like, relentlessly? Well, it got a little gross. Like, she was hitting a lot of offense and you felt good until he got complete control. And as this was happening, I was like, oh my god. The reason he's beating the shit out of her is because she duped him. And he thought he, he thought he was going to get some from Lita and uh, he got to catch a predator, as you put it. Yeah, I watched a little man who's just filled with angry cum beat the shit out of a woman. <laughs> That's <laughs> I didn't. I've never heard somebody say angry cum before. That's he, clearly what he was filled with. He thought he wasn't going to have that. He still has it. So he beats the shit out of a woman. And the whole time, all I could think is, this is why we can't have these anymore. Because of this? Because of this fucking storyline. <laughs> like, this is, like, why did we waste intergender wrestling on this? Like, can't she just be a good athlete and you guys have a regular match and you not be extra mad at her? To it where a I'm, different time. Did he lock her in the Texas Cloverleaf? Oh, yeah, he fucking got her to tap. <laughs> and then you better believe after he got her to tap, he kept her in it longer than he needed to. Yeah. If he'd kept that angry cum inside of him for a little bit longer, he might have been world champion. He let it out while he was in the Texas Cloverleaf, and I think that's what allowed him. <laughs> if, he had not, if he had kept it inside, then the Hardys wouldn't have beat his ass afterwards. And now he's relegated to the role of WWE trainer. Because also, the fucking Hardys, they get eliminated and leave. If I were one of them, I'd hang out with my, my lady friend and make sure that Dean Malenko doesn't fucking beat her to a pulp. So you're saying the Hardys are kind of assholes too here? I think everybody's in the wrong on this one. <laughs> it's the attitude error. Of course they are. <laughs> Nobody's right. Everybody's a dick. But also, did Dean Malenko ever recover from that? Because what the fuck? He's not a babyface anymore ever again. 
Yeah, I don't remember what Dean Malenko did after that. I know that obviously Benoit and Guerrero went on to have careers. <sighs> yeah, Dean Malenko let that get away from him, and you don't. That's a bad. That's a bad uh, intergender match. <laughs> Find a better way to get rid of the angry cum. That's yeah, the st- that's the lesson just, to be learned here. Just go online, man. Just find something you like. There's What's so the many different porn from earlier. I think it was like I I was getting ready to say Thug Life, but I think it's like <laughs> Thugonomics. Let's see what was this thing called? It was called Thug Bait. Thug Bait. Thug yeah, bait. Dean. Just watch 68. some Thug Bait. Work it out. Don't take it out on Lita. You watch the Thug Bait, you do some Thug Baiting, and then you're going to be fine. What else did you watch on this Armageddon card that you wanted to talk about? Uh, the other the other intergender match was the third match on the card, which was Val Venus versus China. Yes. It was a hell of a lot of fun. It was just a normal wrestling match. It didn't seem like there was an extra bit of anger that made you feel sick. That's because Val Venus is a porn star. He doesn't have angry cum in him. Though he did still lose, or he still did win. So he did, women he beat China? He beat China, but, you know, Tori distracted her. Are you one of those people that is like upset that China's not in the WWE Hall of Fame? I mean, obviously she deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. If we're just going off of pro wrestling alone, she 100% deserves to be there. Absolutely. She's a very important character in the Attitude Era. Do you think that she will eventually? I She has to, right? It would be insane to leave her out. Is it weird that Triple H is kind of in charge of that decision? I feel like he needs to suck it the fuck up and tell his wife. <laughs> I you were just going to leave it at suck it. He need- <laughs> well, I thought what? that would have been really appropriate. I've got something that Triple H can do. It's two words. Suck it. Uh, he needs to stand up to his wife and be like, I'm going to let her in. You know, I'm friends with all of my exes. They had jobs at my wedding. <laughs> Why can't we let his ex in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Like, keep in mind, Steph, Triple H drugged you to marry you. He, him and China, consensual. <laughs> uh, China needs to get in the Hall of Fame. Triple H can suck it. Let me see. Hey, uh, we got Wrestle Kingdoms just a few weeks away. Fuck, getting so excited. Are you going to attempt to stay up and watch it? I doubt I'll be able to stay up and watch it, but we'll see. I'm definitely going to watch it. I just probably won't watch it live. I just, I'm so afraid of spoilers. You went last year. Are you sad you're not going again this year? Oh, definite fear missing out on this one. Like, I am just feeling it. Like, I want to be there so bad. Do you want to take a minute? Like, you finally got the card for the show. What are you looking forward to most? What's the card look like? Well, after this most recent show, because, you know, they just ended the tag tournament, and there was a match on here that got me really excited. Uh, so, you know, I had kind of talked about how Goto was never one of my favorites. Yeah. He had a match with Kota Ibushi for the Never Open Weight title. A lot of fun. Kota Ibushi walks out with it. But before that, there was a number one contenders match between Tai Chi, which was this your first exposure to Tai Chi? No, I've seen Tai Chi before. We've talked about him. We talked about the whole Phantom of the Opera. He looks like a goddamn Final Fantasy character when he comes out. He truly does. He's got Final Fantasy hair. (laughs) He likes singing. He's a showman. But he's going up against Will Ospreay, who's been out for the last two months with an injury. He's back. So when Ospreay is getting in the ring, you know, he's known for such a wild... (laughs) He's known for wild style. I don't like saying that. Uh, But, you know, he does like a... (laughs) Like he does some, he does some he does such crazy shit that you wonder like how crazy are they going to let him go. And I'm not a huge Tai Chi fan, huge Osprey fan, so I was excited to see what happened with this. And it ended up being a hell of a match. Like honestly to me match of the night on that show. Yeah, I watched I watched this match and I got to say I bring this up I feel like every time you show me a new Japan match any spot where a guy gets grabbed and thrown into a cluster of chairs out in the crowd, I'm a big fan of that spot. It's just, it's visually pleasing. It is. It looks like it hurts. It It's visually, like, there's chaos. These two tore it down. And holy shit, they went at each other hard. God, and there were moments, too. There was a moment where Osprey was on the top rope and Tai Chi threw red shoes into the rope sending Osprey upside down, and he just missed his fucking head 
by just a tiny bit. I just, I feel like there were just so many spots because I'm worried about that guy's neck after, if you remember, you know, a few months ago when uh, Skrull gave him that pile driver or whatever on the the apron. Yeah. Uh, Yuck. Yuck. What did you think of Excalibur being on commentary? I like it. There were moments where I, I don't know how well him and Kevin Kelly clashed. Is that on Kevin Kelly or is that on Excalibur? It seemed like both of them wanted to, you know, call play by play, and it felt like they were stepping on each other's jobs. See, I don't watch, I don't watch New Japan every single week, so it, it, I don't know. It didn't really bother me too much. That being said, I fucking love Excalibur. I'm happy he's over there. It just, I, it felt a little clunky on the commentary between those two, and I wasn't expecting that. Fair enough. But yeah, that was fun as hell. The Goto match was fun as hell. Uh, what else did you watch for this week? Let's see. Oh, I actually got a High Spots subscription last night. Yeah, didn't you get a free trial of that? No. <laughs> I tried to find one. Couldn't. You couldn't find the free trial? I entered so many codes that I found on the internet, and none of them worked, so I paid 10 bucks. So you just forked over the money. Well, I really wanted to see uh, CZW just had Cage of Death 20. And the main event was Mance Warner versus what is it? Ricky Shane, uh, uh, Ricky Shane page or Shane, Ricky page, three names. Can't remember which order they go in. No pages. One of them. Yeah. It's uh, Ethan page's brother, but they were going for the title, which I believe was previously held by MJF. And I think he had to vacate it because he's injured. Uh, MJF was CZW's champion over there. This match is so fucking violent and crazy that I think MJF hurt himself to get out of having to be in it. He doesn't want to be there anymore. I don't think he wanted to be in this crazy, violent blood match. This thing was fucking nuts. It was the cage of death, so it's kind of a shitty little cage, and then there's glass panes all over it, then it's filled with chairs, there was a bed of nails, there was barbed wire. Are you a fan of CZW? This was the first time I'd ever actually sat down and watched a CZW show. I've watched some CZW stuff on YouTube, but I, like, I've never watched like an official show. I don't know immediately how I feel, because the first match looked like two high schoolers fighting. That's not your thing? Well, it's, you know, because now wrestlers I understand <laughs> are smaller now, but these dudes were just fucking lanky. They were just like, we all no knew a bear. Mass. No much. Like, you could see their ribs. Like, they're like all just a high these... school basketball team guy from the Midwest. Yes, but shorter <laughs> and thinner. It was such a weird thing because they were really good at what they were doing. It was just they were so thin that I was having. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird watching these two thin high school boys fight. Well, you get plenty of that with your highspots.com subscription now. <laughs> Which I guess high spots and progress are run through the same company. So I think okay. that's why some of the shows go back and forth between those trying to get you to get both apps. So a couple things I want to bring up really quick. You said that you just signed up for high spots. How many different pro wrestling watching subscriptions do you currently have set up now? WWE. Sorry. Uh, pro- progress. You're not New- sorry. New Japan, Ring of Honor, and High Spots. You have five. You are committed, motherfucker. Hey, Does your wife of- know about this? Well, some of it. How many I mean, does she know about? I mean, I don't know which ones she know cost money. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, he's paying for all of them. If she was mad about that all-in plaque that you got, oh, buddy. Well, this is for the good of the show. If I can't see the shit, then what am I supposed to talk about, Derek? You go show her those two high school basketball players fighting in CZW and see if she approves of your, whatever, nine ninety nine a month going away for that. Oh, she, she saw it. She walked by and said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Hopefully she thinks that's on the WWE Network. Uh, just based off looking at it, you can tell it's not. It was in the ECW arena, though. The other thing I want to bring up, you said MJF tried to get out of this match because he doesn't want to get hurt. Why don't you tell everyone who MJF's going to be wrestling soon? Do I know? You do. Is it PCO? 
you commented on it the other day online. Oh my God, you're right. Is that a, a GCW show? Isn't he fighting Nick Gage? He's fighting Nick Gage. Why would he take that? Because he wants to get hurt. He is going to say so many things to him that are going to make me uncomfortable. The, honestly, this could be a babyface turn for MJF because he's going to say things that I would never be brave enough to say. I watched MJF take LaParka's mask and wipe it in his ass. And then what did LaParka do? Gave him the craziest, stiffest chair shot to the face. Yeah, that was fucking LaParka. The question is, is MJF going to be able to remain in character against Nick Gage? Good God. Nick Gage does not seem like a guy who gives a shit about what your, your gimmick is, about your act, your character. Yeah, ask David Arquette. <laughs> he doesn't care how many Scream movies you were in. He is going to fucking kill you. God damn. Nick Gage and MJF. That's coming up in GCW, you said. <sighs> I, that's what where I, it was, right? It was a GCW show? I believe so. Would you like me to investigate that? Yeah, and then you know what I'm going to pull up? I'm going to pull up the New Japan card. So it looks like they're opening the show with a uh, a never-open-weight six-man tag team match because who cares? And then, let's see, we're going, oh, man, top of the card, Kota Ibushi versus Osprey for the never-open-weight championship. I have, it's been a while since I've cared about this belt. These are two guys that I like enough that I am very excited whoever has it. <laughs> But it at least brings it to a level that if that belt is being fought for and one of them have it, I want to watch that, regardless of who they're against. Where did those belts start, by the way? I don't know enough about them. Oh, man, you just asked me a question. I have no idea where that started. Okay. MJF is fighting Nick Gage for Inspire Pro Wrestling. Where's that Sunday, at? January, Sunday, January 6th in Austin, Texas. Oh my God, my sister could go. She totally could go. You can have your family be a correspondent for that funeral. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at this. The belt is the Never Open Weight Championship is owned by New Japan and it stands for New Blood. Meaning it's kind of the belt for the up and coming people. Gotcha. But that, I think that's what's confusing is that Goto had it and he looks old as hell. Now they're trying to establish the title. <laughs> yeah, they, it's, not, it's not for the youngsters anymore. It's, they're trying to get the title over. This belt's been around since 2010, but I think putting it on Osprey or Ibushi, that's a good way to get the title over. For sure. What else, what else did you watch for this week's episode? Was there, you, didn't you watch a, a, a Bucks match? Oh, that was on the New Japan show. They had a uh, they had an eight man tag. You said so this you, was like a comedy match. It ended up being kind of a comedy match. It was a good example of how you can have all your main event talent in a show, have the match be incredibly entertaining without anyone getting hurt. Plus, you got to see a little interaction between Kenny Omega and uh, Tanahashi. So you know it still progressed the story a little bit, right? And, it was just a good way of showing how you can handle that without having to throw everybody in a goddamn elimination chamber. So do you, I asked you this earlier, what are you looking forward to most coming up at Wrestle Kingdom? Let's see. I mean, honestly, the main event, Tanahashi Tanahashi. Omega, I think we're expecting a classic out of that. Right. Uh, Let's see. Jericho Naito. Which, since we've already seen it, a little less excited for the second round. Is, but that was more of a, that was like a no disqualification street fight, right? Is that what it is now? No, that's what it was the first time, because didn't they fight like on the outside, and was it like, wasn't it like pretty nasty? Didn't he like attack him? It kind of seems that's what all of his matches have been, because his match with Omega last year at Wrestle Kingdom was essentially a street fight as well. They were all over the place. I guess that's true. It seems like that's just Jericho's style. It seems like he's a brawler. Yeah. In the WWE, or in uh, New Japan. He's the dick from America. Yeah. Canada. Ooh, Kushida versus Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. That's going to be a hot one. But I'm hearing that WWE's wanting Kushida. Well, with the approach of All Elite Wrestling, which you continue to hear little bits of news squeak out here and there about that, 
that could be a game changer. And so the rumor is that WWE is offering NXT developmental contracts to anyone and everyone they can in preparation for this. And the other big news story is that supposedly a few weeks back, WWE approached Cody about him signing with them, and he turned him down. Doesn't that, that makes seem... me very, very happy. I mean, isn't that the kind of news we've been waiting to hear since All In? We wanted to hear it, but didn't we all kind of have a feeling that was the case? Well, I think we assumed that this this is what would happen, but it's good to know that they did eventually get to him, gave him the offer, and he held true to his word. Because what would have happened to all of us if, you know, this whole time we're thinking there's no way he's going to do it, and then last minute he just shows up at the Royal Rumble? I feel like we would all we would all cry. Everyone would be pissed. They would feel duped. Because he had specifically said going into All In, that was not that show was not to be a springboard to get back to WWE. And so far he's held true to his word. But WWE is going to be offering contracts to everyone and anyone, and that's one of the reasons they went after Walter, to try to get him involved with their NXT UK experience. So, I actually am losing out on a match I was excited about this weekend because of a WWE tryout. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shine 55 in New York on Saturday and I was going to see Shotzi Blackheart versus Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford pulled out of the show. And I, from what I understand, she's at tryouts right now in WWE. Are you excited for her at least? I mean, I know getting her is a good move for them because it gets them closer to getting Joey. Yeah. And if that's where Joey wants to go, good honor. I guess I was kind of hoping she would end up at whatever Cody's doing, but you know, it's... that's right. You're going to New York here soon. Are you, how, how are you feeling about that? You're going to be visiting uh, queen of the ring. Yeah. I haven't seen her since uh, all ends. So that's going to be a, going to be a fun reunion to go into final battle. Uh, we haven't really talked about this. You and I will be seeing each other here in a couple of weeks. We're going back home for Christmas. And at that point, I'm sure we will be doing a, an audio commentary of something. We'll be doing something. We'll figure yeah, something the, out. Damn, the card for Final Battle really shaped up to be really good. You excited? Yeah, Jay Lethal versus Cody in what'll, for the ROH title and what we assume is Cody's last match. Yeah. Then a Ladder Wars match between SCU, Briscoes, and Young Bucks. TV title match between Cobb and Hangman. Uh, an I quit match between Flip Gordon and Bully Ray. Chris Daniels and Marty Skrull, Matt Taven versus Dalton. And the match that, I mean, I'm excited for us to make our top 10 of the year. And I can't make one yet because I haven't seen this match yet. And I have a feeling it'll make it. And that's John Gresham versus Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, we'll have to do some reviewing. I didn't know we were going to be doing a top 10, but that has me excited. Well, who doesn't love a good list? Everyone loves a good list. We live in a society of lists, Derek. Jericho would be proud of this moment. Garrett, <clears throat> we're getting towards the end of the episode, but as you already know, this podcast has friends and listeners all over the world. We finally got the chance to meet one of those listeners, one of those friends at All In, and his name is Lowell. Lowell decided to give us a little something for today's episode. Uh, would you like to set that up for us, my friend? He's our Canadian correspondent, Lowell. You know I love Canada. You know yeah. I love the name Lowell. Yeah. So Lowell is going to give us uh, a little little bit of news on what's going on in the indie wrestling in the in the great north. No, so let's uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to Lowell in Canada. Hit it, Lowell. Hey there, predetermined listeners. It's Lowell checking in all the way from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. I'm riding hide today because my band, The Heavenly Bodies, played a kick-ass show last night here in Regina. We graced the same stage as Garrett's favorite band, Fozzie, did just last week. This was the site of the kerfuffle between a super drunk fan and Jack Slade, the drum tech for Fozzie, and a frequent guest of Talk is Jericho. The story being reported is not totally true, though, as I've heard from people who were there last week that Y2J didn't even get off the bus. He never speared this guy. He just wanted security to take care of it. They tried. Apparently, after they caught this guy, they called the cops. The guy broke free and ran off, climbing over a barbed wire fence in the process. About an hour later, the guy came back in his vehicle, though, and he drove it straight at the people standing outside the venue. He hit one guy and then took off. He was apprehended by the cops later and arrested for a hit-and-run and a DUI. 
It's one thing Meltzer was not reporting. Speaking of crazy things happening here in Regina, a few weeks ago, my pals and I went to a Canadian wrestling elite show that featured Brutus the Barber Beefcake. It was quite the situation. CWE holds shows in and around Winnipeg, but does three one-month-long tours per year across most of Canada. They usually have a legend to drum up sales, and I've had great experiences with Ron Simmons, Paul Orndorff, and several other superstars. This one had beefcake. Brutus appeared on local TV to promote the show, and he basically said that people wanting to get into wrestling should just forget it and get a real job. The promoter, Danny Duggan, was noticeably tense, and he tried to resolve the situation in a positive manner. That night, my pals and I each got a Brutus figure signed and a picture. But we all paid different prices for the same thing. Standing together in line, one after the other, I paid the least, so I guess my experience was the best. I mean, he was as expected, an old guy not happy to be stooping to the low point of getting photos with Marks and being the outside-the-ring referee for one of the matches. Apparently, Brutus's wife is terrible to deal with, and he's just doing as he's told. This is just my opinion, of course. I don't really know. It was kind of a weird situation. He seemed like he really didn't want to be there. I'll tweet the CTV Regina video URL just in case any of you guys want to check it out. I'm sure you can find lots of other articles with various sides of the story that saw Brutus leave Canada with five advertised dates left and being paid for one of those dates without informing the promoter until the day after the first missed show. Not cool. We don't just have the traveling CWE rushing shows here, though. Right here in Regina, we have high-impact wrestling that doesn't rely on bringing in outside talent all the time. But they have their own homegrown roster with a cable access TV show and a web TV series from the Saskatoon offshoot High Impact Wildside. They usually bring in a big name for the bigger shows of the year. There's four of them. But while we were basking in the StarCast experience before All In, the wrestling fans of Regina got a meet and greet with Mick Foley. Chelsea Green was initially booked for that show as well, but like me, she chose All In instead. Uh, back in the springtime, Wildside brought in uh, Cody Rhodes to wrestle against an amazing local talent and keeper of the longest name in professional wrestling, Michael Allen Richard Clark. They had a match at Battle Arts in the spring that everyone should check out. If you just search High Impact Wrestling on YouTube and watch the Battle Arts episodes, you will see even see a pre-DDP Yoga Lowell sitting on the right side of the screen in a white t-shirt with an extra 40 pounds around his waist. There's some great indie talent in this promotion, and we should see some of them coming up to the bigger indies soon. At least I hope so. Michael Allen, Richard Clark, he is phenomenal. But speaking of DDP Yoga, how's Garrett doing? While I do support his journey, I recently lost weight by changing my diet, doing DDP Yoga four times a week, and getting back into running. While I'm a success story, I don't think Garrett can stay true to his commitment, and we're all going to get to see him be chopped. Speaking of being chopped, I tried but wasn't fast enough on the StarCast website, and you guys may not have even seen this, but Jeff Cobb gave out five individual chops to five different people during All In Weekend. I had to settle for just an autograph, though. I was willing to pay for it, and I think that Garrett owes us for his sometimes dickish behavior on the podcast. I suggest that Jeff Cobb be the one to chop Garrett. I'm sure he will oblige, and we will all be entertained. I'm heading out to another HIW show next Friday. I'll let you all know how it goes. You can follow me on Twitter at Lolamite underscore MF. I'll probably be live tweeting the King's Challenge next Friday, one of the four big shows of the year here in Regina. So you can check that out. Anyway, signing off from Canada, this is Lowell. Back to you, Derek and Garrett. Well, I, for one, am glad to hear that Lowell has all of the confidence in the world in my uh, abilities to lose weight and not get chopped. I would love to have you lose weight and get chopped. Like nothing would be more ideal than for you to get through 90% of this diet and then fail and you lose weight and then you still get chopped. I, what do you think of Lowell's suggestion of Cobb? <sighs> That's not a bad one. I don't know. He's, he's going on the list. Speaking of lists, Jeff Cobb will be on the short list of people that I may have chop you. Walter's still at the top, but now that he's WWE, I don't know. There's going to be a lot more rules for him. That's an yeah. assault. Maybe PCO. I did give him our business card at all. <laughs> so 
Be like, remember when I gave you that card and you said that we get in touch with you? Well, now's the time, BCO. The, uh, just speaking of all that shit, the other night I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if Macho Man's brother still has our pen. <laughs> I hope he does. <laughs> I hope it made it onto his carry-on bag or something. Oh, God. You know what we haven't done this entire episode yet? What's that? We haven't plugged how they can reach us on social media. We haven't plugged how they can do us a favor on iTunes. Garrett, you're the host of the show. Tell these people how they can help us out. Hey, our fine listeners who we love to death. We all love you. you. You're all of you. Every single one of you. Even you. Yes. Beautiful. As you run on the treadmill, as you cook dinner, as you, I don't know, what's the weirdest thing you've done while you've listened to this show? I need to know that because that could bring me some joy. But what you could do to help us out, if you could go on iTunes, leave a five-star review. Rate, review, subscribe. If you leave that five-star review, let us know what you want us to watch. We will watch and talk about anything, as long as it can even be loosely tied back into pro wrestling. I don't care what it is. If it's a music video featuring a pro wrestler, I don't care. If it's this fucking Thugbait 68, I'll talk yeah. about it. You know, yeah. send it our way if that's what you want us to watch. But uh, yes, much appreciated. It really helps out the show. And follow us on those social medias at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter, at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. I am at Gartet on Twitter and Instagram. Boosh. I'm Halloween Halpin' on Twitter. Hit us up. We throw some polls up there from time to time. We interact with you guys. Let us know. What did you think was match of the year? We're, we're winding up uh, 2018. What did you think was match of the year? What was your favorite match? Uh, some hidden gems. What was your favorite episode of the podcast from 2018? That's a good question. What is, that, what is your favorite episode of Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout? The one where they talk about thug bait. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I was all, the second you said that, I was like, oh, there's the title. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been fun. I'm kind of sad. We've got, a, we've got a year, a whole other year of wrestling coming up. We've got the build towards Mania. What you're kind of sad that we have all the like the wrestling is unlimited. I'm 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 sad because I realize I'm gonna have to add WWE back onto my schedule of shit to do very very soon. It's the Rumble, man. It's coming up next month. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe Nakamura will win again. If he wins two years in a row, and then we're like, oh, man, nothing happened with that. And then he wins a third <laughs> year. That's the WWE model. Just keep doing it. Fuck it. Yeah, no, whatever. Derek, should we get out of here? Yeah, I think we should get out of here. I've, got, I've literally got nothing left. We've talked about everything. We've talked about, we've talked about porn. We've talked about Dean Malenko being abusive. We've talked about, we talked about magic. We've talked about magic. We've talked about cookies. And now you can hit our goddamn music.